Hey, good morning, guys. My name is Justin, and I am the student pastor here at Hilton Head Island Community Church. Our, uh, our pastor, Todd, and our, op our operations director, Cynthia, are out in Colorado right now uh, taking part in a pastor's conference. And so every now and then I kind of come along and I elbow Todd out of here and I sneak up here to get a chance to speak to you guys. And this is one of those Sundays, and I am really excited about it because it is actually kind of a special Sunday for us where we're going to take some time later on in the service. We're going to get to recognize our seniors uh, that are about to graduate high school and kind of move on to uh, their next phase of life. And so I'm really excited to get to take that time with them this morning. Uh, and it's, it's really fitting that we're doing that this morning because we're also in the second week of our series, Unstoppable, that you guys just saw the awesome video about, where we're looking at what does it really look like to run the race that God has set before us? What does it look like to carry out the plans and the purposes and the path that he has for our life? And so we're gonna look at it this morning, and the reason that it's fitting is because even while we celebrate our seniors and the fact that they're kind of finishing one race up and they're about to graduate, the thing is, is that graduation is also called commencement. And we know that what's really happening is even though they're graduating something important and they've done something uh, incredible and that we're proud of them for, is that in reality, they're about to launch out on a much bigger race. And it's a race that we're all part of. It's the path that God has for our lives. And so it's fitting that we can kind of pair these two things together and talk about this this morning. And Pastor Todd started us out in this series last week, um, and he talked to us a little bit about uh, mainly this question. How do we live each day on purpose? In other words, how do we live out God's purpose for us? How do we walk in his path? How do we make progress at what he's called us to do and live life well? Because the fact is that not all lives and not all journeys end well. They're not all done well or finished well. And in fact, while I was kind of thinking about this topic and this talk, I'm a little bit of a history nerd, and so it kind of reminded me about some, uh, some stories from history while I was thinking about this. And if you guys kind of flash back to history class with me for, for a little bit, you guys might remember kind of those stories of hundreds of years ago about how Europeans were searching for a faster way to get to Asia and to get to the east for trade and things like that. And so they took off sailing west to see if they could find a faster way to get there. And unfortunately for them, but uh, fortunately for us, there was kind of this thing called North America and South America that was in the way that didn't exactly make that possible. But one of the things that you guys may have forgotten about, and I kind of needed to do a little brush up on this, is that kind of once America was discovered, that search for a faster way to get to Asia didn't really stop. Instead, what happened is that people started searching for what got, came to be known as the Northwest Passage. And so these, these expeditions from Europe, and particularly a lot from England, started setting off. And instead of trying to go through America, they, tried to, they started trying to go above it and to sail through Canada and the Arctic and kind of that really cold, frozen. Because I know there's a lot of people, you guys love cold down here, don't you, right? Yeah. I, I, we can't imagine going up there. I don't know what they were thinking, but they tried to find a way through there. And, and time and time again, these expeditions went out and they either returned, they came back, they got stopped by the ice, or they just never came back again. And so for, for hundreds of years, these guys, these expeditions were going out, trying to find this Northwest Passage and this way through, and it never worked out. 
And then one time in particular, one of these expeditions actually became particularly famous and kind of for all the wrong reasons. You see, in 1845, they, they started to take it serious. So like, all right, this time we're going to do it. And so a captain from the British Navy, a guy named Sir John Franklin, set out with basically two of the biggest, most modern ships that the British Navy had at the time. It was kind of that period of time where ironclad ships were starting to come out and they started to fit them with you know, steam engines and that kind of thing. So they got two of these ships. They decided they were going to go set out for the Northwest Passage with these, uh, these incredible ships that they had, and they packed them full. So I want you guys to hear some of the things that they packed in these ships for this expedition. They had, among some other things, a 1,200-volume library, an organ, that's helpful, China place settings uh, for the officers and the men, all 134 men on board, cut glass wine goblets, and genuine silverware. And there were some pretty big celebrations as, in England as they set out. I mean, they had all this stuff. They had these incredible ships. Like, these guys were going to get the job done. And unfortunately, what I guess they didn't realize, as common sense as it seems to us, is that none of the things that they had actually prepared them for what they encountered. Fine China doesn't get you very far when the temperatures are below freezing. And so these guys, they set out into one of the most hostile environments on earth. And they were never heard from again. We learned later, kind of through history and uh, some discoveries, that the two ships actually ended up trapped in ice. And the men abandoned the ships and then tried to set out on foot in the Arctic to find a way for rescue. And they ended up kind of dying all over Canada. And, and these sites were found for about the next 200 years after that. The ships were actually found uh, in 2014 and 16. But these guys set out with a purpose. They had a destination or they had an idea of kind of what they wanted to do. And they set out to accomplish it. And they failed. And I think it's safe to say when we think about our lives and our paths and our journey, that we kind of hope that things turn out a little bit differently for us. Right? We want to live life well. We want to accomplish our purpose. We want to follow God's path for us. We want to live lives that matter, that get noticed, that make a difference. Right? We want to do it well. And honestly, even if you're someone who doesn't know what you think about God or, or this idea that he has a plan for your life and a purpose, it's safe to say for you too that you still want to live life well, right? You want to avoid unnecessary hardships. You want to accomplish something. You want to matter. And so I think for all of us, it's good for us to ask the question, how do we set ourselves up for that? How do we set ourselves up for success on our path that God lays before us? How do we set ourselves up well to live our purpose well. I think there's an important lesson that's pretty easy to pick up from our story about Franklin's expedition, and it's a, it's a lesson that Jesus teaches to us as well. And uh, we actually looked at, at these verses that I'm going to talk about in just a second, a little bit last week, where Jesus started to teach this lesson. It's not going to be on the screens because I'm just going to recap it for you real quick, but Pastor Todd walked us through a little bit of Luke chapter 14, which if you guys remember is where Jesus talks to his disciples and the crowd, and he asks them, he asks them this question, he kind of tells a little bit of story while he's doing it, but essentially what he asks them is this, 
How many of you guys desiring to build a tower don't first sit down and count the cost to see whether you can complete it or not? How many of us setting out with a plan, with a purpose, don't first sit down and count the cost? You see, what Jesus wanted his disciples to understand and what we can learn from Franklin's expedition is that you need to be prepared. You need to be prepared in order to accomplish the purpose that God has for you to make progress at it. You see, Franklin's expedition had books and an organ and fine china and all kinds of things, but they didn't have what it took to survive in the Arctic. You know, they weren't prepared for what they actually encountered, and they ended up stuck and shipwrecked, and they failed. And if we don't want our lives to suffer some of those same fates, then we've got to take the lesson to heart that Jesus has for us, that progress on our path requires preparation. Progress on our path requires preparation. We've got to be prepared in order to accomplish what God sets before us. You know, essentially what Jesus told the crowd is this, this old adage, right? We've all probably heard it. Failing to plan is planning to fail, right? You see, if we go out and we don't prepare for the obstacles and the opportunities that life is going to throw our way and that God's going to give into our lives, right, we set ourselves up for failure, and I don't think that's particularly mind-blowing to anybody. Like, oh, you should be prepared for, to accomplish your purpose. Right? It's not, it's not anything that's incredibly new, and I think almost all of us would probably agree with that. But here's what scares me. Here's what scares me, especially for our seniors, for our students, and just for, for honestly, my generation and for their generation of young people is that there, there's kind of two tensions that they tend to feel around this idea about the future and thinking about how do you prepare for it. And on one side, not, not our seniors, of course, right, but just, just teens in general, right, there tends to be this attitude that, like, look, my teens, even college, maybe even some of my old college buddies, for them it's their 20s too, are just about having fun. There's nothing really I need to be doing right now. I can just have fun. I can take it easy, I can do what I want, and the future is kind of something off in the distance, and one day, I'll just kind of magically become an adult, and I'll deal with the stuff then, right? But I don't need to prepare for that. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna have fun right now. I'm gonna do what I want, right? And then on the other side, though, there's another tension. There's this incredible pressure that they put on themselves or that, our, that we as parents put on them or that just our culture in general has developed and it's the pressure to succeed. That even while they want to have fun and they do their own things and don't think so much about the future, there's this constant burden that I've got to be successful. I've got to get into the right school. I've got to get that scholarship. I've got to go on to get the right job and make enough money so I can live in the right spot and marry the right person. Right? And more and more in our society, we've started trying to cater to this and to get them prepared for all that more and more. And so, I mean, really in the last 20 years or so, you've seen... Nowadays, it's so common that our students have practice for sports every day of the week for all three of the sports that they play. And you think I'm kidding, but I promise you I'm not. Right? Or they, they have their tablet and their computer that the schools give them to take home so you can do your homework wherever and you can constantly kind of be able to check in and work on stuff. 
or like something that we don't maybe know quite as much about. I worked in tutoring, actually, in Dallas for Southern Methodist University for a little while. And in the last 10 years, the market for private tutoring for high school students and college students has exploded because more and more parents are looking for, how do I give my kid an advantage? How do I get them better prepared? School anymore is not just enough. They need extra tutoring at home to be able to, to be prepared for the future. And there's kind of this atmosphere in our culture where we're scrambling more and more and more to get our kids ready and they've got to be successful and they've got to have all these things and all these experiences. But the reality is that in the middle of us doing all scrambling to get them ready is that more and more young people are launching out into the world and they're floundering and they're failing. And it's not that when you look at, you know, each individual person that you say, oh, okay, they're failing. But really statistics would tell us that my generation and their generation are the loneliest, most depressed, and disconnected generations that have come up in America yet. That in the middle of all the advantages that we have and all the scrambling that we do to be prepared to set up for success, something doesn't seem to be quite right. In fact, you know, the numbers kind of vary a little bit, but when you survey high school or college students, 55 to 75% of them say that they feel unprepared for life after school. That after everything that we've been doing and all the scrambling that we're doing, when they get out in the real world, they don't feel like they're ready for this. It's why adulting is a word now, right? It's why we make memes about how it's hard, Right? That's, the, that's the, the environment that we live in and that we launch our kids out in. And so we should be asking ourselves, is this really the best way to prepare? Is it the best way to launch our students out, to set them up for success? Not just in the, in the ways that we think about it as Americans, but the best way to set them up for success, for fulfilling God's purpose and his plan for their life. Because with the results that we're getting, it seems a little bit like taking fine china out into the Arctic. And that maybe we need to reconsider what does it look like to prepare? Now, thankfully, Jesus has some stuff to tell us on the topic. And in fact, uh, we're going to look at kind of one of the main passages where Jesus and his disciples are sitting down and they're, they're talking about the future and they're looking at what does it look like to follow God's path? And Jesus has some uh, advice in particular for him that he says it'd be well for you to do this and it would be well for us to do that as well. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 to 34. And uh, this will be a little bit long, but we're going to read through this real quick so you can follow along with me on the screens or you can turn to it in your Bibles or on your phone. Uh, but this is what Jesus says, starting in verse 24. He says this, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, or about your body, what you'll put on. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father knows what they need, and he feeds them. Aren't, they of more, aren't you of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? 
Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory was arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, don't be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Or I might add what school we'll get into, what career I'll have, how much money I'll make. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But you, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I'm going I'm to wrap up there. You see, what Jesus knew and what he wanted his disciples to understand while they were busy worrying about tomorrow, while they were busy worrying about what, what is this path that you're leading me down going to look like? What am I going to do in the future? What he knew was important for them to grasp is that a relationship with God makes all the difference. That in the middle of all that, there's nothing more important than a relationship with God. And so as they were asking, how do we set ourselves up for success? What do I need? What do we, what do, we do? What Jesus taught them is this, that the best thing that you can do to set yourself up for success in the future, the best preparation you can have are proper priorities. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The best preparation for us for the future are proper priorities. You see, failing to prepare is, is bad. It's kind of a big deal. But preparing incorrectly is just as unhelpful. You see, Franklin and his expedition, they brought the wrong stuff. They brought an organ and, and books and china and silverware and all these things that it, at the end didn't help them at all because they had the wrong priorities. They wanted to be comfortable. They were cocky. And they set off on this expedition to accomplish their purpose, and they failed. And if we want a different result in our lives, then we need to examine our hearts and ask what our priorities are and see if we have the right ones. And I want to kind of camp here for a minute after we read those verses because we have to be careful when we look at these verses because we love to quote and use and, and kind of you know, encourage ourselves with that verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. But what happens is we tend not to spend quite as much time on some of the verses before that. You know, maybe particularly like that verse 25-ish, that whole thing about you cannot serve both God and money. And unfortunately, we don't have a lot of time to really wrestle with that and dig into it. But I hope that at the very least, you don't write that off instantly. That we've all thought about that before. We know, okay, I need to give my 10%. And yeah, as long as I kind of do things a certain way, he does... God doesn't really mean like anything that's going to be costly, right? Like the pastor's talking to those other people. I don't, I mean, my finances are good. I, I give a little bit. We're okay. And the reality is, is that all of us need to think about this every now and again and wrestle with it and see where our priorities are. And, you know, no, it doesn't mean you can't serve God and have money. And obviously there's some nuances there, but we ought to be challenged by that. 
We ought to think about it from time to time and to wrestle with it. And the reality is, is that really what Jesus is calling us to there is even broader than just this idea about God versus money. Because the, the, the Greek word there that we translate as money is this Greek word mammonas. Or sometimes you hear it called mammon. And it's just this idea that it's not just money, but it's really wealth and property and materialism just in general and that kind of whole world of things. I think it's interesting that maybe if you really thought about it and you, if you thought, okay, Jesus is saying you, you cannot serve God and this, what would you say? You know, I think a lot of times people would pop up and be like, uh, well, you can't serve God and the devil, may, you know, maybe that's what he's going for. But what he holds up and what he makes us aware of is that you can't serve God and money and this materialism thing and this self-interest at the heart of it. You see, the greatest danger for you guys, the greatest danger for our seniors, our students, launching out of here is not that they're going to go off to college and they're going to sit down in some class with some professor who's going to challenge Christianity and he's going to destroy their faith and they're going to become atheists or convert to some other religion or something like that, even though, to be honest with you, a lot of the conversations that I have with parents that are worried about the future of their kids is kind of along those tracks. But the greatest danger for our seniors and for our, our next generation launching out of here is that they're going to go out into the world and they're going to just get absorbed in all the same things that we do and, and most American Christians. And that Jesus is going to be down on their priority list as they go out and they seek the job and the money and the, the fame and the, the Instagram followers and those kind of things. That's the greatest danger for us is that we, we send them out not really being ready to actually try following Jesus, except for when it's convenient, except for when it makes a good add-on to the rest of the good life that they've got going on, and that they miss what Jesus calls them to and, not, and having him as the first and the all-encompassing, absorbing, unbelievably big priority in their life. You see, we see it all the time in our culture. It's the reason why we see, you know, people, and don't mean to step on any toes, but it's so common in our culture where we see people that move around and they, they uproot from one place to another to follow the job and the next bigger promotion and the paycheck. And meanwhile, they rip themselves out of church communities and they don't hardly think twice about what, what that does for their well-being and how it impacts, you know, them, themselves spiritually and their church family because we're all focused on getting to that next level and pursuing the job and money. It's not to say, obviously, you can't, you can, sometimes moves for jobs are good, but in our culture, we hardly think twice about what it means to leave our church family. Right? Or it's the reason why we see it so common in our families now that our schedules are built around sports and tutoring and school and all these kind of things, and maybe church can get squeezed in there if we've got the time for it around everything else. And so I think for all of us, the greatest danger that, that we're, that we're going to face on our path, and as we try to carry out the purpose that God has for us, is that we wouldn't really put him first. That we'd be trying to pull in a different direction, and that we'd really be limping along our path with Jesus because we're really trying to go the other way. And that we might even be what Jesus called lukewarm. You see, if you're focused on making money, instead of making disciples, something's going to nag at you. That there's more. 
that you won't find the fullness and the fulfillment that God wants for you when you put him first in your life. And I do want to be clear when I say that, that proper priorities don't guarantee you're going to be happy all the time. But they do guarantee that you're going to make progress on your purpose. And on the path that God has for you to be more like him and to help make other people like him. They do guarantee that you'll make progress towards your ultimate purpose and path. Paul says it like this in Romans chapter 8. He says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. You see, I just want to add one more thing. That when we're talking about our priorities and, and whether we serve God or money or, or these kind of things that... It's so, easily, or it's so easy for us to rationalize ourselves out of it, right? We come up with ways that, okay, I, I'm okay in that area, and we don't really wrestle with it. And it's easy to do that because we swim in this culture of materialism. And so the mindset that we bring to interpreting these kind of texts that challenge us and that tell us about the cost of preparing and following Jesus is, is one that makes us more likely to think, ah, oh, he's not really saying anything that's costly there. Right? And we come into it, and so many times we, we don't feel much of a tension in our lives. It's like, yeah, I'm kind of doing what everybody else is doing. I'm okay. But the reality for all of our lives is that if we're in this culture of materialism that's heading this way downstream, if we don't feel a tension and a resistance in our lives, then it's probably true that we're not swimming upstream trying to be different. And that in this case... The tension and that resistance there as we navigate, what does it look like to be different is a good thing because it means we're headed in the direction that God has for us. And it can and it sometimes is painful. It hurts. It, it may not always be fun or easy. You know, in fact, Jesus makes that clear to us. The, uh, the verses in Luke 14 that we looked at earlier where we talked about, you know, who doesn't, when they sit down to build a tower, first count the cost. Jesus actually kind of gave his disciples a little bit of an idea of how much the cost can be sometimes. In the verse right before and after the question that he asked his disciples about the tower, this is what it says. You won't see it up here, but immediately before asking the question about the tower, he says this, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And immediately after asking the question about the tower, he says this, so therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Jesus wanted his disciples to be prepared for what life was really going to be like and for what the path sometimes would bring them into. And I don't know about you, but the, the idea that sometimes it's painful, that it hurts, that it's not easy, doesn't exactly get me excited. But the good news is, that there are some things that we can do to lessen that tension in our lives and the, the tension that we feel between what we want to do and what God wants us to do and how it costs us in our lives. And there's ways to align our priorities more with God. In particular, proper priorities are produced through a couple of things. They're produced through people and persistence. Proper priorities are things that we value in our hearts, the things we're passionate about. Whether we realize it or not, they're actually influenced and even kind of created in our lives by the people we hang around, 
and the things and the habits and the disciplines that we spend our time on. You know, and a lot of times I think we get this backwards. We tend to think of things like this, that like we want to be passionate about something and like then we'll go do it, right? It's like anybody, like when we, when we go to the gym, it's like, man, I really wish I liked this more. If I did, I'd be here a lot more often. And we think that that's how it works, that somehow like God just gives some people a passion to do things and they go out and do it. Like I know, you know, kind of in high school going, growing up and even still now today, some when I get like this random hankering that, man, I wish I had like, you know, pursued uh, basketball or something and, and gone for that career in the NBA or something, even though I'm like nowhere even remotely close enough to being good enough, right? There's this idea in my head, like I look at, hey, I heard that. <laughs> like you look at these athletes out there and, and how good they are and the time that they devoted in the gym and on the court or in the field. And we have this thought, or at least I do, that it's like, man, like, I wish I could do that, but like they just, they're way more dedicated than I am. They, they love this a lot more than I do. I just, I don't like it enough to spend that much time doing it, right? But the reality is, is that that love of the game that they have, how much they value it got put there because of the time they devoted into it. You know, if you ever watch like the, the post-game interview from a football game or something like that, especially like at the end of the season for like a championship, you know, almost always one of the things the players talk about is, is something like this. It's like, man, we just put so much work into this. Like since summer workouts, we, out, we were out there, we did two a days, we did this, and it's just so good to finally be here and to see the result of what we did. Because all that time that they spent and the discipline that they took grew their passion for their game and that desire to win in their hearts. And meanwhile, we hit the gym, we don't think it's very fun, and we walk out the door. Right? We can talk about it when it comes to spiritual disciplines, too. And I throw myself under the bus as much as anybody else on this. But if I had a dime for every time I talked to one of our students or another Christian about, hey, how's your, how's your time with God going right now? And I, got, and I got an answer, something along the lines of, oh, it's just not as consistent as I want it to be at the moment, or... Uh, it's just honestly, it's really hard to get in there. It's just kind of boring. I haven't, haven't gotten around to it. And so often in our, in our Christian lives, we go through this like almost like kind of guilt trip cycle about like our time and the word and things like that. And meanwhile, there's just kind of one thing that we need to hear. There's one piece of advice that we all need to get for it. And it's a, it's a good piece of advice when it comes to any kind of disciplines in our life, which is probably why the biggest like, athletics company in the world came up with this as our slogan, but it's just do it. Like, that's to some extent the attitude that we have to have because we so often we end up waiting around like it's like, God, I just need you to just change my heart and make the Bible more exciting to me than another show on Netflix. And we wait around for that to happen, but the reality is, is that God's sitting there and he's inviting us into his presence and that as we take the discipline and the time to do that, he'll change our hearts and he'll start to build that love for him and that desire to get into his word and, and see him and be with him. But it takes the discipline of doing it because discipline builds passion in our lives. You see the other side of this, these things that can help us align our priorities with God and kind of lessen the tensions in our life. The other thing that helps us is people. You know, Proverbs 27, 17, that's the famous one that you guys will be familiar with. It says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. See, we've got to surround ourselves with people whose priorities are proper, that they have the right 
priorities because it influences us whether we realize it or not. There's a saying out there that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. It influences us more than you know. And I do want to be clear. Look, surrounding yourselves with people with proper priorities, that doesn't mean that you don't pursue sinners or those people, that you don't go out in the world and, and love on people and pursue them and have relationships with them. But who are the people that are feeding you? Who are the people that are influencing you and supporting you and that you go to when you need something? It influences us more than we know. And so who we spend time with and what we spend our time doing is important. And it's so important. Paul says this about our time in Ephesians 5. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You know, if you want to um, pay attention to how you spend your time, I think there's a couple of questions that you can ask yourselves. And I'm going to try to do this without breaking anything. Carrying this tray is really easy until you got 200 people staring at you. And it kind of just changes things. But I think we'll be all right. But here's the thing. Here's what I'd leave you guys with with this. If you're thinking about how do you spend your time, there's a couple of questions that you can ask yourself. Number one is this. What are the priorities of the people that you spend time with? What are the priorities of the people that you spend time with? Do they know God? Do they value him? You know, are they all about themselves? Are they all about him? You know, the other one is this. What, what do you persist in? What are your habits, your disciplines? How are you spending time? Are you videoing me? I'm watching you. <laughs> what do you persist in? Right? What are those things that you spend your time doing because they influence you? It's kind of like this. When we think about our time, right, we've got a limited amount of time that we've got to fill up somehow. Every second of the day is ticking by, and, and one way or another, we're filling it up with something. And there's a few things that we can choose between. You know, there's some things in life that just really aren't that important, but that we still spend our time on. You know, for me, it's even the first First part of the day, the first thing I do is grab my phone and it's starting to check notifications. And you scroll through Instagram a few times while that time just keeps ticking away. Right, or you jump on YouTube and you watch a video and you take a break, but then pretty soon that leads you into like an hour of cat videos and fail videos. And then, you know, you end up on Netflix. And right, the, the time that we spend on these things is a lot more than you expect. And, and one way or another, we tend to kind of go to those things first, right? And then we have the things in life, though, they, they, I mean, they matter, but they're not critical. I mean, even things like our jobs, especially if it's not maybe a calling or career, but it's just the way that we're making money right now, or, or maybe it's going to the gym, and it's, you know, it's important to be healthy and to get fit, but you know, the amount of time, whether it's critical or not, is kind of debatable, and we kind of spend time on those things, and then you know, around those things, the things that really matter in life that affect us, that influence our well-being, like our faith, our relationship with God, or maybe, you know, around all those other things in our work and our habits and our scrolling on Instagram, we, you know, we know we want to kind of give our family some time and, and that, and we want fellowship with our friends and good community for that, and, uh, you know, just some of these other kind of big, important things in life, and what happens is, 
because we didn't spend our time well, we end up with this tension that it feels like we can't get everything in there. And we start to feel this pressure in our lives like we're just missing on some things. But what Jesus tells us, seek first the kingdom of God. Have your priorities right. And what happens when we start to order our lives around the things that matter most and we make sure that instead of putting that extra 10 hours in at work that we could have done, that we make sure that our faith is in a good place and we're spending the time with God and that we got some time with our family and our friends and we do those things that are critical and then only when those things are taken care of, we make sure we put in what's needed in our job and our exercise and things like that that matter but maybe aren't quite as critical. And when we've taken care of those things, it's fine to jump on Netflix every now and then, right? It's okay. You can scroll through Instagram, like, I mean, once, but, you know, after that, it probably is a little unhealthy. <laughs> but you find that it's a little bit like something that Jesus said. That when you seek first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added to you. And that when you have the proper priorities and you pursue the right things in life, you're able to, to have a full life in a way that causes you to make progress on your path, to be fulfilled in your purpose. And, and so that's what we want to think about today. As we kind of wrap up, I want to leave you with just one more thing, and it's this. Progress on our path requires the preparation of proper priorities produced by people in persistence. I'm just... <laughs> Somebody out there, did anybody start taking notes? Because that's a joke. I hope you didn't start writing that down. If, uh, if I ever actually use that much alliteration, like, please come up here and slap me. It's okay. I'll give you permission. No, I, uh, I'm kidding, but I do want to leave you guys with something to think about as we finish up, and it's this. Because uh, as much time as we sit up here and we do think about and we wrestle with these things, like how we manage our time and the disciplines that we have and the people that we, that we spend time with and all these practical steps that we need to take to have a successful life and, and be on path with God, Right? Those things are important and they're good to wrestle with. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's not about all that stuff. It's about your heart. And is your heart about him? That's what God's after. You know, one day we're going to stand before him. And he's not going to ask about our bank account. He's not even going to ask how many times we went to church or how many times we cracked open the Bible. He's going to say, look, it's about me and you. Did you love me? Was your life about me? And so here's what I want to leave you guys with this today. It's this. No alliteration here. Right? Your definition of success, seniors, church, me, must be how well we make his name known, not our own. Our definition of success should be how well we make his name known, not our own. You see, when we do that, our life will be more full. We'll be more fulfilled. We'll make progress on our path. God will get more glory. We'll make more of an impact. And you will have lived out your path and your purpose well. Would you guys pray with me? Father, thank you so much for everything that you give us, Lord. I thank you just for this morning and this time to be with our seniors and with us. God, I pray that all of us would wrestle with what it means to follow you, with the purpose that you have for us and the path that you have for us, God. And I pray we'd examine our hearts and see where our priorities are.
Lord, and I pray that you would touch us and change us as only you can do that align our priorities with you. But I pray we'd do our part too. I pray that we'd pursue you, that we'd get in your word, that we'd surround ourselves with people that are on mission with you. God, I pray just that above everything, we'd see your worth, your value, Lord. I pray you'd cut through. God, all the distractions of the world. Show us there's nothing better than being with you and following you. God, I pray that we would just get to experience the joy of your presence. Lord, that you'd draw us in close and that we'd follow you, God, that you'd keep us from distractions. And God, you'd help us to overcome the obstacles, Lord, that our strength would be in you and our hope would be in you through all of it. Lord, we love you. We thank you for everything. We thank you most of all for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.